Welcome to Inside 8101, a conversation about preparing students for the world beyond high school. I'm Mike Brennan, president of Holy Family Catholic High School, and I'm your host for today's in-depth conversation about academic support at Holy Family. I'm honored to have our Dean of Academic Support, Melissa Livermore, and our full-time learning specialist, Meg Redshaw, on this episode. Welcome, guys. It's great, it's great to, be to be here. Good. All right. Well, before we get started, I'd like to recognize the talent and experience that both of you bring to this work. Uh, and I'm sure as our conversation continues, our listeners will also get a sense for what I see each and every day. And that's an incredible passion and commitment for helping all students reach their fullest potential. So thank you, guys. Um, for those of you who, um, who, who don't don't know you, um, or perhaps who don't have a child who works with you, um, maybe to begin, uh, perhaps each of you could just take a moment here to explain uh, your specific role here at Holy Family. Sure. Um, and for our listeners, this is Melissa. Uh, I have a variety of responsibilities at Holy Family. I oversee the academic support department, which consists of the counselors and our learning specialists, one of which is Meg. I provide leadership to the team and guidance for implementation of their programming. I also facilitate the professional development for faculty to keep us informed on our best practices, pedagogy, and the latest research, in addition to meeting state-mandated relicensure requirements. Um, I'm in the classroom providing uh, feedback for teachers using a research-based tool, I do administrative work, such as maintaining academic records, scheduling, collecting and analyzing student and teacher data. And just in general, as a leader of Holy Family, I see my main responsibility as ensuring that we are carrying out the mission and vision of our school. How many pages is your job description? <laughs> just a few. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Meg? Mine's a little bit shorter uh -huh. okay. in terms of what I do. I meet student, students where they are when they walk through the door. Awesome. Students start at a variety of different levels. Some of our students need more support than others. And so um, my main focus is that I work with students in a structured study hall where I provide academic support, okay. um, study skills, organization skills, uh, working with the teachers to help um, figure out which way this student will learn best and how we bring out the best in each student. Additionally, I meet with parents to help write um, learning plans. I also meet with each student every week um, to discuss what went well, what hasn't gone well, what are our goals for the following week, um, and just how we can tweak different things what's going to work. I tend to mm -hmm. focus on one thing at a time with them. Mm -hmm. um, for example, homework com completion. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that first, um, instead of throwing a whole lot of things at them. I work with teachers on uh, ways to improve their ability to work with students. Um, I do study skills, note-taking, academic support again. Um, Where were you when I was in high school? <laughs> I was probably teaching social studies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Um, all right. So, Melissa, I know I know you started your academic career as a math teacher, and Meg, yours was a social studies teacher, as you just said. Uh, you, bo- you both pursued further education and certifications to focus on helping students who need academic support and uh, the large varieties of ways that they might need that support. Um, can, can you tell us more about what inspired both of you to, to shift gears from the subject-based uh, from being subject-based educators uh, to educators uh, who are concentrating um, on, on the area of academic support for our students? Um, my own, this is Meg, my own uh, struggles academically is what interested me in that not all students learn the same. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, it was, this is the way we do things, this is the way it should be. And it was one of my teachers my senior year in high school who helped me learn how to study. When I was uh, in college, my piano teacher sent me to the psychology department when he figured out why I could not learn how to play the piano and found out that I had (laughs) a language-based learning difference um, with dyslexia. Um, Very mild. And what I had learned in middle school, one of our reading programs, uh, had helped me already compensate for some of the things that were happening. Um, And so I struggled academically. And then one of my sons uh, was diagnosed with dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, ADHD. And our local public public school didn't give him any support. Um, There was nothing out there for him. And that's where I really started about 25 years ago, looking to how I could help my son. And then finally, um, after I left Holy Family as a social studies teacher, uh, due to a family move, I worked with students in a public high school who were, um, it was school intervention. Okay. It's a nice way to say um, in-school suspension. Mm. And I would have regular flyers. And these were students who most often had learning disabilities that were undiagnosed. And so once we worked with strategies to help them learn how they learned, they re-entered the classroom and didn't visit me again. Um, and it was really... Which for, would be the goal, right? That would be the goal. For some of them, it was better when they didn't understand what was happening in the classroom. They wanted, I don't want to be seen as the kid who doesn't get it. So it's easier to be seen as the naughty child. Sure. Um, and so that's where I really found that this is what I loved doing and seeing those moments we're bringing out in students who maybe have struggled to become successful, not only in high school, but beyond. So in, in reaching back on those personal experiences, as well as, um, you know, the, the professional experiences that you've, you've just shared, um, you're, you're bringing all of that to the table of, of Holy Family. Yes, I am. Um, and so what, what does the, the academic support department actually look like here at Holy Family? And, 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 and what philosophy or, or goals does it have for the students that we serve? Well, the academic support department is, um, it consists of our counselors, learning specialist. Uh, we also have somebody that does testing coordinating for us. Um, and their support really encompasses all the areas um, of academics, career planning, college planning, as well as personal and social development for all of our students. 
the goal really is to enable all of our students to lead satisfying and productive lives. And we do that by assisting them and identifying and achieving those goals, being educational, career, personal, and social. So, so we can, there, there isn't a, a prescribed time uh, per se when a student says, you know, raises their hand in class and says, you know, I need help, right? Or, or, or I have uh, um, some type of, of um, uh, struggle here associated with my learning. Um, it's a, a spectrum, so to say, mm-hmm. um, a continuum. Um, and at any point on that continuum, um, either there's perhaps self-identification or someone else who is watching, whether that be the teacher or the parent, identifies that something's just, it's just not working. And, and there's, there's, there's challenges that are, uh, and or obstacles that are, that, are, that are in the way from this particular student uh, and their ability to be uh, as successful as they can possibly be. Um, so we certainly, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but uh, trust me, I'm getting to something. <laughs> so they, they, we can certainly, when students are here already at Holy Family, um, there are opportunities every single day to identify those moments and identify those, those points of intervention, if you will. But what about the students who haven't yet started here at Holy Family? So our, let's just use in, in terms of a, 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 a generalized population, our incoming freshmen. So next year's freshman class, uh, the, the students who are coming to us in the, the fall of 2020. Uh, that just sounds crazy to say that, right? <laughs> Out loud. Yeah. Um, but, but what do we do here at Holy Family in order to um, support and or even anticipate some of the special learning needs that students might have um, before they ever actually set foot through the door um, and sit in a chair in one of our classrooms. Um, how do we get them off to the very best start possible here at Holy Family? Well, we do that in a variety of ways. And like you said, it starts before they're even here. So um, I personally review all of the academic records for every student who applies. And what are you looking what are you looking for? Yeah, I look for patterns that are there. Um, I look for any changes. So let's say a student was really high achieving and that could be in terms of grades or it could even be their academic standardized tests and noticing that it's trending downward or there seems to be a gap somewhere. And depending on that, we identify students that some, we have a conversation with the family and say, you know, is this something that you've experienced for some time? Would you be interested in additional academic support? For others, we put them on a watch list. And so the academic support team, which includes the learning specialists and the counselors, Uh, We have that list, and so then when they're here during the school year, we do a week-by-week look at where every single student is, and if a student who's already on that watch list starts to show some patterns, we reach out again and say, let's let's try these interventions, Um, and it could be something that's happening in the classroom with an individual teacher, or it could go all the way to um, academic support. We also have the high school placement test. Um, We use those results in a variety of ways. So one for individual students kind of, you know, do those testing results match with what we see in the academic record or Mm not? Sure. Um, And then as an overall picture of what that ninth grade class is, and then we tailor some of our curriculum to meet those needs. So if we're seeing a gap 
for the class as an overall. We'll add that in for the next year. Um, so, and maybe I'm asking too many specifics here, but let, let, let's say that some type of theme does emerge, mm-hmm. um, whether that be with a particular, you know, a, a subset population of students or even on the, on the the gross level, like the entire incoming class, there seems to be um, either um, they're, they're all high achieving in area X and perhaps low achieving in area Y. Um, what are the ne- what are those next steps? And, and okay, so we identify, but then what do we do from there? How do how do we respond to that information? Yeah, well, I can give a specific example. Okay. Um, so one of the current trends is students overall um, struggle in the area of language, which sound it's kind of broad, but it's punctuation. So they forget periods. Um, and commas. I still text in full sentences. So <laughs> thank you for texting in full sentences. Yeah, they don't even spell words correctly. Um, and so knowing that in the English department, they're tackling that okay. at every single grade level. So wow. they're incorporating uh, more grammar lessons, and then those grammar lessons really are tailored to those areas of which we see. Um, some of those deficits. Uh, if we see a high achieving class, we know to prepare for more honors classes. Mm-hmm. Um, the teachers know they can push the students even that much further, so that way they they learn even more. One of the other things that we do, as well as the first week of school, I go into the freshman IS area, and I teach students how to read a textbook, how to take notes, how do we look for um, test-taking strategies, just study skills that we sometimes think that our freshmen should have, but we're finding more and more that they don't necessarily know how to do that. And so we work with them in that area, and we start off right away. Um, I know that our science teachers use the note-taking system that we introduced with their students. Uh, Some of our social studies teachers do as well, and it really is helpful to give students a framework all students, um, and then we can work more individually with students who need more one-on-one support. Okay. Um, in in terms of um, really trying to get the best picture uh, of of the students that are coming to us, both as individuals as well as as a group, um, what what kind of relationships do we have um, with? if you would call them their source schools, you know, the schools that they're coming to us from. Um, and, and what do those relationships look like and, and how are we using them and, and leveraging those relationships to be able to, to best serve the students that are coming to us? Yeah, so we have um, regular conversations with a number of our feeders. And I know it can't be with all of them. I mean, there's what, 40, 40 different schools right. represented in the freshman class. So. Yeah. Um, so we talk to them um, and ask them questions, you know, what does the, if, you know, current eighth grade class look, look like? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see their strengths? Um, so, so there's real person-to-person dialogue yes. that is happening between Holy Family and other schools. Absolutely. It's not just looking at, you know, text on a, on a piece of paper, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Meg talked a little bit about her passion and about how that those personal experiences, both her own and then that of her sons, uh, propelled her into into this world um, of, of supporting students. Um, I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> what um, what did it for you? 
When I was in college, I started out as an accounting major because wow. uh, I was good at math. So I thought, oh, I'd be an accountant. Um, and I was invited early on. It was still in August to join a tutoring program. And we would go twice a week to um, homeless shelters, one for mothers and children. So battered women and their children and another one for teenagers and within, I don't know, a couple of tutoring sessions, I said, I'm on the wrong track. I need really? to become a, yep, <laughs> I need to switch to education major. So I switched before even taking one accounting class <laughs> and changed my spring <laughs> registration. <laughs> so that's what brought me to education. And then when I was in the classroom, I really felt most rewarded when students finally grasp that difficult concept or skill. Mm. So when they finally, you know, the light bulb moments. The light bulb moments, mm, exactly. The aha moments, yep. for sure. And then that really inspired me to look deeper into, well, how, how do we help those students who have the identified learning differences? So how do we meet their needs? Um, after doing some research um, and experience success, really I felt the call to extend my work beyond my own classroom walls okay. and bring that to the teachers. Um I decided to go back to school to earn my educational specialist degree and obtain my principalship license. And fortunately, about the same time, the dean of academic support position opened up at Holy Family. And so it just kind of everything fell into place. And since then, I've been doing the work and it's really something I'm passionate about and really like what keeps me excited and has me you know saying yes every day is the many student success stories that we share um on man every day um you know well thank you yeah. for sharing that um you know in in just a what two weekends from now um we have our high school placement test it's happening here um melissa i, I know that our philosophy that it is such that a, a test is just one snapshot Right, one data point, place and time um, of of a of a particular student, um, and so while while I know that we we look at many factors as we get to know our incoming students, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the department and what the department learns um, about our students from those types of assessments? Yeah, so that placement test really, and again, it's it's not an acceptance test. It's really important to distinguish can, can, that. Can you elaborate yes, on that? Yeah, so some schools, they will give similar tests or even some of them use the same exact um, test that we do, and they determine acceptance based off of that. Okay. At Holy Family, we look at it a different way. We're looking at um, where students um, are currently at, because really I, they only have opportunities to grow from wherever they're at currently. And we then identify students, you know, like maybe this is a student that we would encourage to, you know, go the honors route. And we can see that they're on the trajectory of doing some AP classes in the future. Um, other students, we say, wow, you know, how come they're scoring really high here and this one area is a little bit lower? And then that's when we dive really into the full academic record and mm. not just use that one test as a means of assessing where a student is at. Um, really, it's it's just a snapshot in time and it just gives us that one piece of information that's the same for every single student that's coming into our doors. So we have that comparison amongst them because there are other academic tests that are 
depending on what school they're going to, they all do something a little bit different. Okay. So once we have this data point, that being the placement test, mm -hmm. um, to help us paint that full picture, what else are we looking at? What other, what other tools, what other assessments? Um, I know you had mentioned student records and mm -hmm. those types of things, but is there anything else? Yeah, so we also have the Meet My Kid form. So students that are coming here, their parents are sent a link to a response form. It's their opportunity to share information about their child that's not going to show up in an academic record. Um, and, that, and from that, we connect them with coaches, for example, or we connect them with a teacher. Uh, the counselor will reach out and give more information before they even start here. Students who've had identified learning needs, um, so maybe they've already had a learning plan in place, we schedule meetings with them in that spring before them entering, so that way we can get those plans in place, and I'll let Meg talk a little bit more about that. So I then invite the parent parents to come to a meeting we discuss uh, the learning plan that their child currently has in place at okay. the school where they're at. And we discuss what academic needs we can meet um, at Holy Family. And typically, uh, we just talk about how their day will work. Um, they'll have, for example, a study hall with me. These are the things that I will work on. They often ask questions about um, if a student needs an audio book, how does that work? And so I walk them through the whole process of what the learning specialist role does mm -hmm. at Holy Family. I'm more of their coach um, because I cannot obviously tutor every class that students take in this building. And so I make connections for them. I help oversee. I'm like a project manager. Okay. I oversee the entire um thing we put it into a plan and then when the students arrive here in August they hit the ground running with teachers we will make changes to those plans um, as we see fit through the year mm -hmm. uh, as we get to know the student better. so it's, it's an agile plan it's, it's not set in stone no okay. it's never set it's fluid mm -hmm. it is always fluid okay. because their needs change at any given time or as Something that we put in there in the beginning doesn't need to be there anymore. We slide mm -hmm. it out and start to work on a new skill. Okay. So what if a student doesn't come to us with any sort of formalized plan, um, but we either suspect or there's a perception of or um, we, we believe that they, they or they believe that, that they need some extra help? Um, what do we do? How do we, how do we approach that in those situations? Well, we start with uh, support in the classroom. Okay. Um, so we will give some ideas to teachers of changes that, that they could make in the classroom and see how those go. And if we're finding success, then we'll continue those. Um, and then depending on level, so we do have some students that are on educational plans, so they don't have a diagnosis, but we've identified that there is a need. Mm -hmm. And so we write an accommodation learning plan for them. Uh, we also have students that will go work with Meg on a short time to short term basis. 
So maybe they just need some study skills or some reading strategies. Um, and so then she'll work with them on those short-term plans. Uh, I've met with students to talk about, well, how do you study? So give them different study skills. Um, a popular one this time of year is I work with students on how do you get ready for final exams? And it's not studying the night before. That's not part of your plan. Uh, so I sit down with them and you know, schedule out, you know, what can you do? What does it look like per class? And we really tailor it to the student because if a student isn't finding success with one tool, we're not going to say keep doing that same thing over and over again because right. they, they're not going to find success. So, you know, if their Quizlet works great for them, great, continue it. If not, maybe we need to go to a more old school paper pencil strategy. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. One, one tool doesn't necessarily, it's not a one-size-fits-all. No, it is nope. not. Right, type of uh, prescription. Nothing's prescribed, really. Um, okay, let me, ask, let me ask this question about the, the, the culture of Holy Family. <clears throat> and, you know, we live in a world where we like to um, give everything names and, and uh, classify things. Uh, uh, in other words, we like to label everything. Um, and oftentimes when it comes to... Um, learning needs and special learning needs, um, there can be stigma associated with those labels. Um, what's, what's that like here for our students? Um, what, what, what type of culture um, are our kids walking into? Because all of our students are in every regular academic class, there's no, they're not being pulled out. Okay. For anything. They may take a test in a different location, but we have strategies that we use so that it's not embarrassing to say, I have to leave the room and go take my test now. Students report directly to our test administrator and she does it. It's not really, I haven't found it through the years for students to really even look at it as a problem. Um, One of the other things that we do, for example, in my structured study hall, because many students are listening to books audibly, all students are allowed to wear earbuds because then it takes away that Mm -hmm. potential stigma of, oh, he must be listening Mm -hmm. to a book. Um, I have to watch, of course, what they might be doing. (laughs) They are still teenagers. (laughs) They are still teenagers. But you bring no. You bring up a really good point about about um, you know interventions or accommodations. Right. The majority of time, if they're good for one, they're good for all. Right. So, and so it is really just um, learning that balance for the student. And I think I think one of the biggest problems our students have when they come in is it's they have that stigma in their mind, and when they actually say, "I'll try it." They say to their friends, you should come to study hall with me. She can help you. Right. And I had a young man. He's now graduated. Um, but he came in his sophomore year and said, my friend says, you can help me. Can you help me? And I helped him. And he ended up wanting to be in my study hall through his senior year. He chose to do study hall with me, even though he was not officially assigned. Um, but it Uh, Both Annie and I, Annie is our part-time learning specialist, we work with kids where they are. We help them. It doesn't matter if you're assigned to us. If a student comes and says, hey, can you help with this? Mm -hmm. We are more than happy to help. So perhaps the the, the beauty of why this this formula works here is 
it's not just the uh, the support mechanisms that we have in place, but it's also the culture of the school. Right. Um, where it's 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 cool to get help. It's cool to <laughs> find avenues that support you to be successful. It is cool to get help, and they mm-hmm. they start to recognize that. And one of the other things that I've done to help take away any perceived stigma mm-hmm. is. I'm student council moderator, so I work with all students. Yeah. Um, I go into uh, the IS area when they're working on their projects during class time, and I help all students, not just For our students. listeners, can you just explain IS? Uh, integrated In 30, 30 words or less. <laughs> integrated Studies is a combination of uh, World Lit, Theology, and English, okay. um, and they do a project once a quarter. And I go in and I help them with research. How okay. do I write a thesis statement? And I just work with any student who asks for help. I walk around the room and, oh, okay. and do that. And so that takes away, I'm seen in the building with students. Yeah. And that, I believe, helps as well. Not with uh, a, a select group Correct. of students, just students. And I would Beautiful. say that is the benefit um, of the st- Learning specialists being seen as a teacher for all students. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you walk into one of the structured study halls, you're going to see a wide variety of students. Um, there are students who are taking three AP classes that are in the structured study hall because they just need that support. Um, some of the times they're a senior and they just they've been in the structured environment and they know that they thrive in that environment and so they self select to be in there as well. But that really removes a lot of the stigma okay. that you might find in other places. So then what I'm hearing is that every child's plan for success looks different, even if they're enrolled in all the same classes, Correct. et cetera. Okay. It's, um, it's quite beautiful, actually. Um, you know, we take great pride in being able to meet the needs of a wide variety of learners, including those with uh, significant accommodations. Are there ever instances, though, um, when we might actually um, be stretched beyond our limits, for example, and, and not be able to meet certain needs and or ultimately not be the right fit for a particular student? Well, one of the things that comes to mind um, for me is really it's that the family, especially the student, is willing to work with us. Okay. On things. So they will take guidance from us. Um, they're willing to try out the strategies that our learning specialists are putting out there. And really it comes down to what is the environment that they they want to be surrounded in. Mm. You know, I think of some of our families um, where their child had significant learning needs and really it was the environment so the Catholic faith-based school and really just our amazing student body. And they wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our students embrace everybody and the way that they interact with every single person in the building, regardless of their ability, um, is just heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, becoming independent learners and learning how to self-advocate and, and take ownership and responsibility for <clears throat> for one's academic growth and success uh, is quite a journey. Uh, and, and it's a journey that is preparing our students for adult responsibilities, um, whether they like it or not, um, and whether that's in college you know, or the workplace. Um, some students will come to us uh, well on their way and some will certainly hit their first speed bumps in high school. 
And for others, it'll take a consistent and maybe even an increased effort on their part uh, as they, again, as they navigate this journey. Um, what, what do you see as, um, as the, the role of the student, the most critical role of the student in their own personal education and development? I see that the role of the student is once they enter the door as a freshman, that they begin to take over their academic success okay. and mom and dad start to provide support, but the student is driving. Um, and so it's sometimes hard for parents to sit back and allow things to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm reminded of a, a parent who just wrote me an incredible note. And I had said to this parent, freshman year, we hold their hands. And we do. We, we walk them through each step of the process based on however they need it. By junior year, that level of support has dropped off. That student should now be driving mostly on their own. And by senior year, we're not going to college with them. And mm. so we see it as a gradual increase of a student's responsibility, the parents and the teachers taking a step back and providing a safety net for their student. But this parent wrote me a note how you said he would look totally different junior year and just to allow the process to take place. And he said it happened. Um, they weren't always sure of my my methods or <laughs> um, my statement that we have to make this their responsibility. Yeah. Because in reality, the more we do for students at this age, that we're telling them that they can't do it, we have to do it for you. What we're doing is, is really telling them that they're not capable. And our goal as a department and as a school is to help each child find their strength. And you are capable of doing this mm -hmm. and so helping them learn to own it so clearly not an insurmountable task you've, you've had tremendous success with it but i imagine a, a great deal of the success on that journey comes from developing trust mm -hmm. trust with the student trust with the parents mm -hmm. how do you do that and, and, and perhaps it's a very organic process and, and one that is highly nuanced with personalities and whatnot. But um, is, is there anything that you're, you're actively cognizantly doing um, to help build and develop that trust to let go? And It's, it's communication. Okay. Um, it's being open to, you know, some of the strategies we may work out for a student. They may not work and we have to go back. Um, and say, this isn't working, let's try another path. And again, allowing the student to say, hey, I, this doesn't work for me, or I've tried this and I'm still really struggling, what else can we do? And so it's, I think it's really that communication between the families and academic support, um, building that trust and understanding that each child assigned to us um, comes with an entirely unique set of needs. Mm -hmm. And it's, Melissa has a poster in her office. I'm not sure if it's still there, but fair is not always equal. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we're, we're giving the box to the little short kid to see over the fence at the baseball field. We're leveling the playing field. Mm -hmm. 
And I would say we do it in stages. You know, you can't take somebody who's a student who's had somebody externally monitor for them, you know, somebody who's, you know, used to somebody creating a schedule for them and making the plan and tell me what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. You can't take that to be like, okay, it's all yours now. We teach them those steps and then help build towards that goal of being independent. So some students are ready earlier than others, but our really our goal is by the time that they're seniors, they can do all of those things on their own and they do. So learning, learning needs aside, you know, for, for, for just a moment here, high school in general is a whole new, new ball game, um, for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> students and their parents. Correct. Um, what do you, would you say is the, the greatest, um, maybe learning curve or the greatest shift that, that the parent, we've been talking a lot about students here, but that the parents experiences and how can Holy Family support our parents in that shift and transition from uh, junior high, middle school, whatever it is that you want to call it, um, eighth grade <laughs> uh, to, to high school, to the high school environment. Well, I would say the biggest shift for parents is you're becoming an advisor and you're losing okay. control. Like it's the loss of control. I mean, by the time end of sophomore year. I mean, that's the hardest thing that they're experiencing. Yes, that they're experiencing. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, end of sophomore year, they have car keys and they're out driving around and you don't know where they're at versus oh you would drive them, right? <laughs> you take them to play date. You would make the play date and right. you would drive them there and you knew where they were at because they couldn't leave because they didn't have anywhere mm-hmm. around. So you're, it's that loss of um, control. Mm-hmm. And with that, it's then shifting to the role of advisor. So it's not telling them what to do and when to do it all of the time. It's talking to them on a regular basis about why you would make this certain decision. And if they decide to not do what you've suggested, they might experience failure. And that's okay. There's so much learning that happens in failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recent research shows that people who struggled with learning a concept, actually learn it better and remember it longer than those who just got it. Wow. So it's really that shift. And so I'd say to help with that is, one, making sure that they have responsibilities in the home so they're feeling a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. and they're making a contribution to the family. So there's that sense of ownership in in the home. And then also increasing opportunities to make decisions. Um, You know, that can start actually at very young ages, even, Um, you know, where where do you want to go? You know, here are your three options. Which one do you want to do? And so I'd say it's those two that you can start really at any time. Okay. Okay. I will uh, (laughs) take you up on that. (laughs) Um, So, okay, when all things are incredibly beautifully synergized, if that's even a word. (laughs) Um, Do you have any absolute wonderful success stories that you could share or just one um, when, you know, everything's been working together, the, the, the student, the school, um, the, the, the parents, everything's just come together and um, work seamlessly. I think we each might have one for that. Um, I think of uh, right now the two students that I think of are are both seniors. Um, The one, uh, he was a student who came 
in eighth grade to have some testing done. Would this be a good fit for him? Um, Learning challenges weren't fully known, but we knew that there were some. And did the testing, he walked through the door. Um, His dad and I worked together on some of the newer technologies that were available, Dropbox and, and Learning Ally, and some of the different things that we did. And this student bought in whole hog to everything that I asked him to do. We made changes along the way to things that maybe worked, things that didn't work. But he he had a goal in mind. And uh, right before break, he came to my room in tears and he said, um, not only is he going to college, but he received a huge academic scholarship to go to wow. college. And so that was really exciting because this is a student who just said, show me what to do. And I did hold his hand a lot his freshman year. Um, now he's tutoring some of our younger students really? in our tutoring center, yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Uh, it's all on him. He did the work. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about our students that we've identified either through assessments or uh, previous plans or, or even new struggles when they encounter high school expectations. Um, sometimes the need for support can show up uh, in, in other ways, ways that we uh, recognize um, are, are in, intentional, watching for patterns or, or different behaviors, especially when it comes to those who may feel stressed or anxious. Um, how does the faculty here um, help those students? Um, you know, I think I just saw a report recently. Uh, oh, no, it was at an, an in-service that we were at where one in four students um, mm-hmm. could potentially be diagnosed with, with anxiety. Um, that's, that's a big deal to have I mean, a quarter of your population walking through your hallways, potentially, mm-hmm. um, feeling stressed and anxious to, mm-hmm. to that degree. Um, how do we help those kids? Well, I'd say first is that knowledge base. So we're very intentional with our professional development and making sure that teachers are abreast of the newest information in terms of, you know, being stressed and anxious and having some of those anxieties. And um, so they are able to identify our class sizes, the fact Mm -hmm. that we have such small ratios when it comes to Um, teachers to students so the staff ratio is 13 to 1 we can pay attention when we see the students as individuals Uh, it's not uncommon for you know a teacher to reach out to uh, myself or a counselor or Megan just say hey I've noticed this you know this student's just a little off there's something going on Um, And, you know, in that case, they might have asked the student and didn't feel like they got a straight answer. And so there's always those extra set of eyes. Uh, We have a weekly report um, for the academic support department. So we're looking at grades and missing assignments. And so those are just indicators that a problem might exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Our advisory is another area. So, you know, you have a group of 10 to 12 students with one adult and they're going to be with that same person over four years and that person has access to information about the student so they have that relationship. And that person is not necessarily their teacher. No, in many cases it's not their Mm -hmm. teacher Um, and so it's just that one more touch point and I really I think all of it comes down to 
that those relationships. So our students are known and that's important. So when changes are happening within the student, we notice. Um, so all of our, our kids have access to help then at, mm-hmm. at any given time? Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Um, are, there, are there any other, uh, you, you mentioned our advisory, our Canvas program, uh, that's in a different podcast if you want to check that out. Um, we, we do have other uh, formalized types of, of programs and, and avenues um, for students to receive some additional support. Would you mind sharing any of those? Uh, well, our teachers are available before and after school unless they are uh, co- coaching uh, a sport and even then they oftentimes have a couple days a week that they're available. Uh, we have a time opposite of lunch called Beyond the Classroom or BTC for short. So it's 22 minutes and the Learning Center, we have a math and English teacher available um, during all four of those periods. Mm -hmm. And they're often available during other study hall times during the day as well. So students are welcome to go down there and receive assistance. Teachers may assign them to come to BTC if they notice that they're struggling. Instead of waiting for that, I need help, the teacher will say. The gentle nudge. Yes. (laughs) The suggestion. Uh, We also made a change to our peer tutoring program this year. So in years past, we've always had peer tutors available. Uh, but it was assigned. So when a student said, or their parents said, hey, they need mm. some additional assistance, and then we would need to find a peer tutor who's available, and making those connections sometimes was difficult and took um, quite some time to form. So this year we made it a drop-in tutoring center instead. So our Honor Society students have signed up to be a peer tutor during their study hall, and they choose how often that they're there. We post in the tutoring center, so we have a dedicated space um, when those people are available. And then when students are experiencing difficulty, they just pop in. So, because you might have you know, a challenge with one concept, and that's the only time you need extra help in mm-hmm. a year. And so that is available to every single day. Wow, that's um, outstanding. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. Uh, we have um, a couple of regulars, mm-hmm. and uh, the students that are in there are just fabulous. We get yeah rave reviews good about that good all right so any any advice that you guys could share with parents on preparing their child for high school academics i i think often that um if this is your first experience with high school it's like your student they don't know what to expect sure and so ask ask a lot of questions um trust your child to Drive the boat with assistance. Um, not fully, you know, they don't have that license yet, but just to take more of that ownership. You know, make sure that they're getting enough sleep at night, that they're disconnected from electronic devices. Set up a place where they study. Eat dinner together as a family as often as possible. That's where you find out the best information. And at high school, that tends to decline because they're involved in so many activities yeah, so busy when my yeah. kids were in high school we might eat at 4 30 in the afternoon or we might eat at nine o'clock at night it was what worked and my kids now say that that is probably the most special time they had in high school was eating dinner as a family 
Wow. And to add to that, I would encourage times to unplug. Um, all of us are very distracted by digital devices. Yeah, that of all advice sorts. should be for everyone, right? <laughs> yes, everyone all the time. Um, <clears throat> and then a lot of the suggestions that Meg has already made, we've put together in an ebook available, and it's really geared towards middle school parents. Um, it has a lot of advice in there. There's some worksheets available. It's an outstanding publication. It is yeah. amazing, and you can find that on the quick links um, on our website. Great. Well, I think that's a wrap. Uh, I want to thank you both for explaining all the ins and outs of academic support at Holy Family uh, and, of course, for your work on behalf of so many students and parents. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And parents, uh, speaking of, if you want to know more, you have questions, uh, how should they get a hold of you? You can find us on the website. We're um, there. There's a link to our email addresses on the website, I believe. or. Our Cracker Jack Administrative Assistant will connect you with us. Wonderful. Love it. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us at Inside 8101. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave your comments. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. From all of us here at Holy Family, God bless.